My name is Ryan Luke Winslade and I am a PK and middle child. I know what it's like to be a misfit, an oddball, a weirdo, but I'm okay with that. If you're like me, you are most certainly welcome. Even if you're not, you'll hopefully enjoy yourself here on Pastor's Middle Kid anyway. We'll talk about stuff and look at things a little differently. Alright, let's get started. Episode number 57 of Pastor's Middle Kid. My name is Ryan Luke and it's great to have you listening. This week on the show I have my friend Jeremy Barry Randall from Canberra, Australia, formerly of YWAM Newcastle, now living in Lithuania, Skype in, and we talk about his struggles that he's had in uh, attempting to pioneer some kind of ministry in Lithuania and network with different churches and other groups and basically connect in with what God is already doing there and see how he can come alongside those already at work. He's had a bit of a struggle linguistically, that is learning the language, and he also has some very profound thoughts on the whole process that he has gone through and is still in the midst of. So stick around for that. You probably tuned in for that, not just to hear me give this introductory speech. So I trust that you will stick around for that. As you know, I finished Lord of the Rings, so I'm no longer doing the Walking with Frodo segment. Uh, Well, uh, I guess that means I have to find a new Pastor's Middle Kid's favorite segment. So uh, I am open to suggestions. If you want to hit me up either on Facebook that is Pastor's Middle Kid Podcast, or on Twitter, at PMK Podcast, or my personal Facebook, if you have me, then let me know what a segment I should do should be, because really this is a show for the people. It isn't just for me being an external processor, wanting to talk to my friends and hoping that somebody would be interested enough to listen. This is a show for the people. Uh, I'm giving it back to you, the people. And we give it back to you. The people. Yeah, so let me know what kind of segment you want. This week in music, we're going to have a couple of songs from Sent by Raven's album, Mean What You Say, because I really like it. Not that I've necessarily been listening to it this week, but it's one that I want you to be acquainted with if you're not already, and if you're into some kind of uh, heavier rock music, I think you will enjoy it. These guys, I believe, are no longer a band, which is a little bit sad. I do know someone that knows the drummer of Send by Ravens though, which is kind of fun. This song is called We're All Liars. It's a great song. I believe it was the single they released off this album before the album came out. Lots of fun. We played it on Recordian back in the day in Canberra. And the song that we'll finish with is my personal favorite from the album called Learn From The Night. This is my conversation with Jeremy Randall or JBR, Jez, he goes by a number of nicknames, but he remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is Jeremy Barry Randall, 
This is my conversation with him and enjoy some Sent by Ravens while you're at it. Welcome to Pastor's Middle Kid, Jeremy Barry Randall. It's yeah, great to have you back yeah. over over the internet. Let's get stuck into it. Um, now, you are overseas. You're in Lithuania right now. Is that correct I, still? I am in Lithuania. Okay, and you're in Vilnius, is that? Vilnius, yep, the capital city. Awesome. All right, uh, now... You've been on Pastors Middle Kid before. You were sitting in a shipping container with me here. Uh, that was, what, a year and three months ago or something like that? It was quite yes. a long time ago. Yep. Um, and uh, you were over here at that stage. Was that just to visit family or was it to renew a visa or, or something like that? Because I believe you were in Lithuania. And then you came to Australia for a little bit and then and you went back? Yeah. I think it was Christmas because I hadn't been home for two years. And then it was because I'd only been in Lithuania for three months. And so mm-hmm. I was coming back for another year, which ended up in more than a year. Yep. So I've been here now a year and four months. Awesome. All right. So for the listeners and also for me, because I'm a little, little uh, hazy on the details, why exactly are you in Lithuania instead of being somewhere that makes sense? <laughs> I know. How much does it make sense? None. Um, <laughs> so long story short, during my time with YWAM Newcastle, mm-hmm. multiple times I just felt God lead me here. And then when I ended up working in YOM Sweden, we had a chance to come across to run a a prayer meeting and then an outreach as a part of this long-term goal to set up YOM movements in all of the capital cities of North Europe. Mm. And Vilnius was the last one, and it was Lithuanian time that didn't have any YOM presence in it. And so mm-hmm. when I came across to help start that, like the prayer meeting, I felt really at home. Like I landed and I had mm-hmm. a few days to explore just by myself. And I was like, whoa, this feels weird. I haven't felt at home for a long time. Mm-hmm. So then after coming back four times that year, I I went to Norway to start for discipleship training school. And then when I came back to Sweden to renew my visa, I was like, I'm just going to move. Like, I'm just going to go to Vilnius and see what happens. (laughs) And so that started the three months. And after the three months, I felt like I would have a go at learning the language and then Mm -hmm. seeing if we could collect some YWAM teams. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I've done. And I have a visa until late August. And then I make a decision of staying for a long time or figuring out what else I would do. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. Which okay. So it's been so, quite an interesting process. So the next seven months you foresee being in Vilnius still. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Most definitely. I'll have some trips out to different YOM events, but I'll mm-hmm. be mainly here. Wow. That's uh, look as as somebody from from Australia that's currently in YOM Australia, even having gone overseas on mission trips myself. It's it's a big move. It's a it's a bold move to move your entire life uh, to the other side of the world and set up shop in a country that uh, doesn't really speak much English. Um, and it's sixty percent grey skies. <laughs> I didn't think that would affect me, but it definitely has. Didn't you say uh, recently in, in an exchange we had that Lithuania is named for its rain? Yep. Like Lietus or Lia is their word for raining mm-hmm. and Lietuva is their word for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I found out that, I was like, oh, why didn't someone <laughs> tell me that before? It's like land of the rain. Yeah. Oh, man. Wow. Okay. Um, so quite quite a lot is different, uh, I guess, weather-wise um, and... And language-wise, and so you've you've uh, met a number of different barriers and, and obstacles, I, I guess, um, from from being where you are. And even when you were back um, after that first three months, and we talked on the podcast about the concept of home and what it means yep. to be home. Um, you you said things like, "I feel at home in Lithuania, but it's really hard because I don't fit in," and and all this all this stuff after that. Um, I understand got quite uh, lonely and yep. um, and there was a period of time where you felt quite isolated from from your peers from the rest of the world um, if if it isn't too much to ask um, would you be willing to to talk a bit uh, about how it felt to be seemingly the only person in your situation in the world yep and it, and that said, it's been funny uh, linking up with people who feel exactly the same hmm. in different parts of the world, and even people that I'm very close with yeah. that I couldn't connect with in that season of their lives. Hmm. Um, so, and most of this is definitely just in my head. Yeah. Because I've made some very good friends here. I've made some very good communal connections here. Mm-hmm. But because I'm an extreme extrovert who lived for so long, both in Newcastle and Canberra, in very intimate communities, mm-hmm. uh, spending like at least 12 hours a day by myself in my room, it just... and it, like It's quite different, yeah. It's very different. And then the whole getting no vitamin D and not mm. seeing the blue sky for a while, that's been um, part of the isolation. But so uh, early on, I came up with this term that home is where I can manipulate culture mm. because mm-hmm. in Australia, I know the culture so well that I know what is polite and I know what's um, expected, but mm. I also know what I can go outside of those lines with without being completely offensive. Mm -hmm. 
And so I get to manipulate social interactions by pushing buttons or not pushing buttons because I know exactly what the buttons are. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas here, I don't know any of the buttons. Mm -hmm. And any time that I just expect the button to be the same as Australia, I then overthink that I'll push the wrong button and offend everyone. So I overthink it and end up doing nothing. Hmm which then creates this like back echo that isolates me in my head because I'm overthinking every situation. Mm. So then I, and then I have this also thing that uh, I assume that everyone doesn't speak very good English or they speak English that's uncomfortable for them to speak. Mm. So then I don't introduce myself to many people straight off the bat so I was even talking to a friend the other day about when we go to parties, she'll, she got told by a Polish guy once to just introduce herself in English because then people know where she stands, like she doesn't <laughs> speak Polish. Yeah. So she would just be like, hi, my name is blah, 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 and I don't speak any Polish. And she said that worked a treat because the people who didn't speak English uh, would just awkwardly walk away or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And so, but I had convinced myself that it was the opposite, that I shouldn't do that because it makes other people uncomfortable. And mm -hmm. because I didn't know the buttons that I could push, I didn't know if I could make people that uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So then I've just sought out uh, very one-off hangouts with a lot of people who speak English pretty good. Mm -hmm. And that's isolated me because then there's no intimacy. There's yeah. only very, very shallow stuff. Or I have really close friends here who are very busy mm -hmm. who I'd have to chase really hard to get to hang out with. And then the weird, like, Australian rejection stuff comes up, like, yeah. oh, they're too cool f to hang out with me, so I won't chase them to hang out. I'll just wait until I have time when they're not busy. Mm -hmm. When a non-crazy person thinks about that, you would just chase them because... They clearly want to hang out with me sometimes. Yeah. And so that whole maelstrom of overthinking and actually being isolated a bit because I don't have normal working hours, mm -hmm. that's been an interesting mix. Mm. Mm -hmm. But one of the saving graces has been, um, this is the first time that I've been to the same church for a year and a half since I left my parents' church when I was 19. Wow. And so that's been awesome. Like our worship band's pretty tight-knit and mm -hmm. there's some really cool people at my church. So that's been interesting to realize just recently. Hmm. So how has, uh, does that feel more like a, a safe place for you? It feels more, uh, obviously it would feel more familiar because you've been going there for over yeah. a year. Um, is that kind of a, a place that you gravitate towards is more of a sanctuary in, in the midst of your, your week that can feel quite isolated at times? Or is it is it more a place that you kind of go to out of obligation and still kind of feel isolated because you don't speak as much of the language as you want to? Or how is how is that experience for you at church? It's, it's strangely both because... Um, my relationship with established church since I left my parents' church has been very, like, 
uh, not uncomfortable, but just almost disappointed mm-hmm. because I've been in communities that see fruit, but I've also been in so many church communities that don't change and don't improve anything. Yeah. And because I don't understand the language so good, I don't know if there's any fruit. And so I mm-hmm. just assume that it's like all churches I've been a part of, that it just doesn't change, which is fine for a lot of people, like church mm-hmm. is stability and church is connecting with God. But for me, church should be progression. Mm-hmm. And so so there's that. And then uh, sanctuary, it's definitely a sanctuary because there's people there that I really like and I really like being around. But... Yeah. Because the language is skewed, um, and this isn't just because they're speaking in Lithuanian. It's they're speaking in English, and they all speak really good English. But mm-hmm. it's not Australian. Like it's not my heart language. Yeah. And Australian is actually uniquely different. Yeah. And so it still has this sense of disconnect almost, and so it does have that isolationist thing, mm-hmm. a little bit even though I really like them. But then um, the other strange thing is um, I don't really like church music. Like I like hardcore and jazz and church music yeah. is usually not screaming or playing swing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and But I've been playing bass for the whole year and a half. Okay. And bass isn't my native instrument. Guitar yeah. is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so, and I don't, <coughs> well, and I don't know any of the songs, <coughs> I don't know any of the songs well, mm-hmm. so most band practices are the drummer clicking me in and me really quickly figuring out what the song is, <laughs> because I just don't know what's about to happen. And then I make a lot of mistakes because I try singing along, but I can't sing and play bass at the yeah. same time. <laughs> and so most of the first six months of this year has been me just making a lot of mistakes in music, Mm -hmm. which also makes me second-guess stuff because I'm actually pretty good at music. Mm -hmm. But the worship band is so, like, encouraging and including that that's been fine. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, church is is an interesting mix as well of definitely, whoa, I'm with the people of God and I've always loved the people of God and I'm glad I'm with the people of God, but then just, like, who are these people? Yeah. <laughs> what are we even doing here? <laughs> so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to ask you a couple of questions about language. Um, and mm-hmm. first of all, I want to I want to throw an analogy to you and see if you see if this makes any sense because uh, it just yeah. came to me just then, and I thought I'd check it out in a whim. Uh, <laughs> learning another language. Um, yet still being in a community that uh, speaks English to a degree. So you, yep. you could fall back on English if you want to. Um, would you liken that to learning a new instrument that isn't uh, even within the same section that you grew up playing? So with you, you grew up playing guitar. Um, playing bass guitar isn't too different, but it would be more like learning pigeon English as opposed to learning Lithuanian, which could be like learning the tuba. So you understand music and you understand what sounds good and you understand even in a, in a sense the language of music, but you can't play it, you can't speak it as well as 
you know you should be able to? Is that kind of how you feel with learning Lithuanian? That's, that's almost a perfect analogy because I tried for six months to play trump because you physically have to learn the difference with your physical body mm-hmm. like you can't see them on a piano like on a piano and guitar yeah no so frustrating that i was like no i'm out um so lithuanian is just like that because i am says i understand words and by this stage i understand that because I haven't taught my body really well how to make those notes mm. and and to make the analogy even more because I live in a community that functions around me completely in English because my Lithuanian is pretty terrible mm-hmm. it's almost like I'm in a room full of guitarists learning guitar and next door is one person playing trumpet and I have to go to the next door to play the trumpet yeah and so in theory it should be really easy for me to just go to the next room and play trumpet Mm -hmm. but it's so comfortable just playing guitar with my friends in the guitar room Mm -hmm. as opposed to if i went to a country that had zero english and i just had to function purely in the language Mm -hmm. it may or may not be easier yeah Yeah. look it up Mm mm-hmm so what does language learning look like to you? Um, you just said that obviously people around you speak English to compensate for your lack of ability to communicate in their language. Um, but you have been taking classes and practicing, mm-hmm. I understand, uh, conversational Lithuanian. What does that look like for you? What's the process been like? So for the first three months, I had no clue what I was doing because I'd never learned a language before. Mm-hmm. So I sat in a library in town and learned really simple verbs yeah. and then was using them in really simple sentences. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of over overcomplicated it all by trying to learn uh, adverbs and adjectives without actually understanding how they worked. Mm. So that was a waste of time. But then the simple <laughs> verbs were really helpful. Yeah. Um, but then I was not practicing it with anyone because I didn't really know how I would because I still didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. And then when I got back from Australia, I started meeting once a week with this awesome teacher called Aldra, and she slowly took me through the basics mm-hmm. and got me talking and like thinking and had me doing homework. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was like two or three months and then I run out of I ran out of, that's the right English verb. <laughs> I ran out of you brush uh, up language finance. <laughs> I have definitely, the other day I was trying to figure out what the word for elevator, escalator was. I was like, you know, stairs that go up. And people were like, what? Um, You've begun to think so like an ESL. That's, that's fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So then I had a few months without lessons and I would just wake up every day and spend three or four hours going through verbs and going through different nouns that I knew. And because all of the nouns have different forms depending on the verbs you're using, mm-hmm. so I'd have to go through the different forms. And then I went to America for five months and did not practice enough while I was in America. Yeah. So when I got back, I had a conversation with one of my friends and she was like, 
how did your Lithuanian get even worse? It was already terrible. <laughs> like, thanks, lady. That was encouraging. So then, uh, like the next week, one of my good friends here invited me over for breakfast mm -hmm. just so he could force me to speak Lithuanian with them. Yeah. And him and his wife were so good. And they were like, they went really slow. They used really simple words. And they corrected me when they needed to. And it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and so then I was like, oh, I just have to do that more. And so, but then Christmas happened and then I got sick and then I broke my back or whatever. So I've just been learning verbs by myself in my room again. <laughs> and no, no, no. But the other thing is because I learned that I'm a very visual learner. Like if you tell me a word, I'm not going to remember it. But if you write it down and then tell me the word, I'm going to remember it. Yeah. So the last like three weeks... I've just been Facebook messaging as many of my friends here in Lithuanian and then they'll respond in Lithuanian. Mm -hmm. And I've been learning a ton because of that because I'm visually seeing it. Yeah. And so now I just need to take it to the next level of doing that as well as speaking with more people. Yeah. Because some of the people I've been writing to have been surprised that my written Lithuanian is okay mm -hmm. because that's the part most of them struggle with. Mm. But because I can think about it slowly, it's easier for me yeah. because I'm not freaking out like when I do when I talk. Yeah. Have you ever learned another language? Yeah, I mean, I, I took a couple of years of French in in school and uh, half, a, half a year of French at university in Canberra, but um, my main, uh, I guess, immerse language um, learning experience was in Norway on, on DTS Outreach. And I was only there for Whoa, seven please. weeks or something like that. And yeah. my situation, I, I can't draw exact, uh, I can't exactly equate it to yours because you're obviously a lot more immersed and have been there longer than I, than I was. But um, most people in Norway speak English. Anybody under the age of 50 is fluent in English. Um, that's, that's fairly yeah. widespread and common. Um, now, as far as my team went... I learned the most Norwegian out of my entire team because my mind works well with new languages and that's why I'm able to understand music oh, cool. very well and understand what notes go in what keys and what chords work together yeah. and all that as well as uh, when, it, when it came to, to language formation. Um, I have a pretty good grasp on the English language and I'm not, I'm not perfect. Um, because it's yes. it's fluid and annoying and always it's yeah, very annoying um very difficult for people to learn <laughs> english i'm very glad that i grew up in a country that speaks it uh but when it came to understanding how uh, the norwegian language is structured in a sentence and how they uh where you know where they put their verbs and their adjectives and and their nouns and all that yeah um I have I had a background in French, so I had more of the Latin understanding that's common to uh, common to English and Spanish and Italian, um, and yep. Norwegian is a Germanic language, so it's it's a completely different sentence structure. Um, so I had to learn from scratch basically. But once I understood that you put the one form of the word you before a verb and then another form at the end of a sentence if you want to ask them a question and yeah. all these all these random things that you wouldn't think about if you're learning it in uh if you're 
just learning it in a library, say. Um, yeah. It's when you're actually interacting with people and trying to understand how they are speaking as well as what they are saying. Um, yeah. I found that a lot more helpful. And just like you, when it comes to writing things down, I, I am quite a... Uh, I, I guess I'm good at remembering things if I see them written down. I'm, I'm good at picking okay. them up just as they, as they come and go. But if I want it to stick, I need to either write it down or ask the person I'm talking to how to spell it. Because then that will help me visualize yeah. it and I'll feel like I just learned something new. Um, so pretty early on in my outreach experience, I, I asked how to how to say how do you spell that and once i figured out that the norwegian nice. alphabet is pretty much the same as it sounds in french and they just have a few extra letters then i was able to uh when i learned a new word i would just ask them how to spell it and then i'd remember it from there and then if i wanted to at home i would write it down on a notepad or something like that to help cement it so that was what i found helpful was actually asking how to yes, spell sweet. things as you hear them because um, it's so much harder to try and remember later on i think the word sounded like this and it's completely different because you, yeah it's like when you hear something from god and god god uh he, yeah. he says a very specific thing to you and then you wait till the end of the day to try and write it down and you just forget completely oh, or you misinterpret yep. it or you just uh, it, it can get messy really quick. Um, what have you yeah. found with humor uh, in in Lithuanian as opposed to English? Because obviously we have a different kind of humor to what they would in, in Northern Europe. Um, and particularly between languages, it can get a little funny. Do you find that... Uh, Lithuanians, when they are speaking English, trying to make jokes or trying to be funny, it happens more unintentionally. Yet when you try and be funny in Lithuanian, you just kind of, you don't get anywhere. Is there that kind of humor blockage with the language as well? Yes. Yes. And I think I can be funny by just using the wrong words. Yep and they'll find that yep. hilarious. And then my my male housemate keeps trying to teach me this joke in Lithuanian that says like, oh, how long have they been together? And then the person says, oh, who? And then you say, you're out eyebrows? And he thinks it's hilarious. <laughs> but <laughs> everyone that I've said it to, because I always stuff it up because I always forget what the word for eyebrows is. <laughs> So it doesn't work so good, but everyone that I tell it to is like, that's not very funny. So he's not telling me, he's not teaching me what humor is very well yet. Yeah. But I keep hearing that Lithuanians are very sarcastic, but most of my friends who say that in English are not sarcastic. Mm. And yeah. so I don't know if they're funny in sarcasm or if they're just caustic in sarcasm. Mm -hmm. But every time that I'm sarcastic in English with them, just because the Australian sarcasm doesn't smile, yeah. people just think I'm ridiculous. So I have to like <laughs> coach people through what I actually mean. Mm. Um, but then there are moments where I'm making people laugh a lot, but the difference was really severe 
or clear when we had an outreach team come in from Canada mm-hmm. and I made that team laugh so much that it was probably more laughter that I'd made someone have than the last like six months with Lithuanians. Wow. Which like changed the energy of how I felt and I was like, oh, I remember this feeling. Why haven't I felt this feeling <laughs> in so long? And yeah, it, it, I think it must be a cultural divide mm. slash I just haven't figured out what's funny here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though when I preached once, I did get some laughs. So maybe some humor is universal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I find even just being at YOM Newcastle and, and you know this from most of your adult life being among people from other nations, uh, when it comes to interacting with, uh, even like in YOM Newcastle, a, a group of Aussies, group of Americans, some Canadians, a spattering of Europeans from a bunch of different countries and a couple of Asians, you find that there is something that you can do that is funny to everybody and then other people uh, it seems like they they act a little too good for for the type of joke that you make sometimes um like if they don't think it's very funny but then the people that speak a more basic form of english find it hilarious because it's something that they understand that translates in their understanding of humor um Yep. I think I think back to when I was in Norway. We were setting up for a, a music festival called Shargot, which is the their big Christian music festival in Norway. And oh, sweet. Um, they had a prayer tent that they called the Nicodemus tent because uh, Nicodemus was a, a dude that uh, you know that Jesus was walking through how to pray, how to interact with God, and all that yep. type of stuff. And the Norwegian name for Nicodemus is Nicodemus and their word for uh, for mouse is moose okay yep. so when we were clearing out all the, the stuff in these shipping containers that the the benches and other things that people were to prey on inside this tent were staying in for the last year we found a whole bunch of mouse poo whole yep. bunch and it was it was disgusting so we had to clean it all off and everything but when we set up this tent oh and nothing against uh Shargosh festival at all this is um just in case there's anybody listening that, that knows the festival <laughs> it's it's perfectly fine and their their hygiene standards are top notch they're beautiful <laughs> uh when we were setting this up we were joking about how it still smelled a bit like mouse poo and i said yep. this tent is more like the nicodemus tent it's like Nicoday Mouse, and then yeah. the Norwegians. I think they laughed out of pity, but they actually yeah. understood that joke because I made I made a joke in their language. I made a pun in Norwegian. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was probably something that a, a four-year-old Norwegian could have come up with, but yeah. it was it was fun because I was able to connect in a way that I was never able to before in that language. And yeah. haven't, haven't been able to since, really, because I haven't been in a situation where I know a word that could make a Norwegian pun. Um, something that I think about when, uh, when I consider my friendships with uh, different Europeans and Asians and, and stuff around YOM Newcastle as well as while I was overseas, uh, 
I think about the ones that I, I, I find really funny people. Yep. Um, I, there's one guy that I know in Norway that he's from right at the top of Norway. So he has really white skin and he is hilarious. He's, he's yep. a showman. He gets out there on a stage and he owns it and he's just so funny. And that's in English. And then I see people laughing at him in Norwegian too. And I think he must be quite similar yeah. in the in the two different languages his understanding of english of the english language was quite good uh, but then i think of other people that i know that, whose english aren't quite as good so they are more polite in their english and they may yeah. not make jokes or laugh at things that they find funny in case it might offend somebody who doesn't come from the same linguistic background as them and then yeah. I see them interacting, say, they're Germans, and they, I see them interacting in German with other people, and those other people are howling and howling with laughter because of how funny this person is, and it just doesn't quite make sense yeah. to me. Um, yeah. Do you have any, any Lithuanian friends like that? Um, no... Not as starkly as that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't... I couldn't tell you anyone who I know who is ridiculously funny that mm-hmm. I can see in Lithuanian that it doesn't translate when they speak English. Yeah. But... Um, I also... It's been a weird thing that I know when to laugh even though I don't know what's being said. Yeah. So I find mm-hmm. some people hilarious even though I don't know anything they're saying mm-hmm. like the drummer at church his english isn't so good and my lithuanian is terrible so we just don't know what each other is saying but we're laughing at each other all the time and i don't understand why because none of my jokes are linguistically based with him yeah. <laughs> so it must be all physical mm-hmm. so i wonder if he'll be funny if his english gets better mm. That's mm-hmm. a curious thought. Maybe I'm going to look out for that now that you say that and mm-hmm. see the differences. I, I had a thought a couple of years ago that's been recurring to me every now and then regarding people that speak English as a second language. And that is that uh, you, you, you and I understand this, you particularly more so than me now, um, when you're in a culture that speaks a language other than your mother tongue, when you are communicating there are so many barriers. There's so few words that you have to choose from. You can't uh, use synonyms very often. You can't really expand on thoughts much because you you don't know words for things. Um, yep. So the way you speak is usually concise and basic. Um, now, that would mean people that you know in Lithuania whose English isn't very good even if you have a good time with them and you enjoy each other's company even without understanding much of what's said they will never really get you they won't be able to understand the fullness of your personality because they're only seeing a small amount that can be communicated cross-culturally yep and so I I think of uh, one particular guy who uh, he's from Thailand. He did a, a sports DTS a few years ago here in Newcastle. When I first arrived, he was a student and he didn't really speak much at all because he 
he wasn't very confident speaking English. Yep. And even across the, the, the entire length of his DTS, he never really got to the point where he was confident. Um, yet the way that he interacted with people became a lot more relaxed and he wasn't as yep. uh, regimented as, as he was when he first arrived. Now that said, because I didn't even know him very much at all, I only interacted with him while playing football. Um, I never understood his his humor, his personality, and never saw him in his highs or his lows like the other DTS students did. But I can't help but think that even those people that went through all these emotional experiences with him have a very small amount uh, of knowledge about who he is. They they yeah. don't and never will understand him because most people don't learn Thai. Um, yep. So that they'll never get who this guy is just because of the language barrier and the cultural differences too. But usually with time and especially being able to speak the same language, it breaks down yep. cultural barriers a lot quicker. Um, so what are your thoughts about the limiting of personality interaction because of language? Um, it's interesting that you say that too, because that makes a lot of sense in hindsight in a lot of conversations I've had here, hmm. because there's there's some, there's some friends that I have here that I really like. I see that they're wonderful, but our conversations are so awkward at first mm-hmm. because of the language barrier. And it's almost like a Skype conversation that has a delay in it. Yeah. Where you're like, whoa, I get to Skype my friends and it's so fun, but this is so frustrating and I wish it wouldn't stop. Yeah, there was a time earlier on in this call where you were saying things and I knew it was good, but it was just kind of garbled and, and jumbled, but we kind of got the gist of what you were saying. It was as you were talking about <laughs> my, my music learning a new instrument analogy right at the beginning of your answer. It was just kind of, but then you grab a word like trumpet and I learned that for two years or something, tried to learn that. I don't even know. Uh, (laughs) But when you listen back to this, you'll be able to hear it. It's, it's kind of fun. So, sorry, continue. (laughs) Um, so yeah, with that, because it's not a heart to heart conversation, I walk away from those friendships and I'm like, oh, that's not as close as it would be if we were the same culture, which is funny when you meet those people that you just resonate with automatically, mm-hmm. like like Alex Boyer, yep. we, because we did so much of life experience together, I can mm-hmm. be in a room with him and not talk and it's good, yep. whereas here because I don't have that, I feel like I have to talk the whole time. But then, because there's not that full personality in it, I still don't... Yeah, I just don't get that fullness with Mm. people. Mm -hmm. Which I've never... And it doesn't make me want to... um, Because... So so I'm I'm a natural networker, so I've had a lot of conversations with people here just asking questions about the history and what people think and what, yeah. where God is in all of it. 
but it's always just been one-off conversations because I've never been like, whoa, that person was the best person I've ever met. I want to hang out again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it could be just that, that I'm not seeing their full personality and I'll have to actually work at it and listen to things that I wouldn't usually look out for to find mm. their actual personality. Whoa, mind blown. <laughs> bow, 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 bow. I need a life air horn. <laughs> revelation <laughs> I, I guess um, part of that could just be doing different things with them where, yep, where you don't speak I often find that my my friendships with uh, particularly Europeans that come through YMM Newcastle are not very strong until we get out on the football pitch and then we're kicking yep. the ball around and, and scoring goals together being part of a team even playing against each other you work up this respect for the person that after yep. the game, you don't need to talk. You don't feel like you need to go into the small talk unless you actually want to get to know this person um, because there's more of a camaraderie, I guess. Yep. And that camaraderie can lead to a, a stronger friendship down the road or even immediately. Um, and so the, the people that you find you need to be constantly talking with uh, in order to dig away at their at, at who they are, you'll find that it's harder to sit in silence with those people because you feel like yeah. there's still more questions to ask, more more things to probe at. Um, whereas if you do something with somebody, go bowling with them, even though most people say they love bowling and they go bowling and they hate it. Um, if you do something like that, where you have a common shared experience more than just a conversation, maybe maybe that will lead to a fuller understanding of that person's personality agreed i like that awesome awesome um okay i have a couple more questions uh before we are going to end this call sadly but uh your day is just beginning and my day is coming to an end so that's kind of how time zones work um (laughs) <laughs> what uh, what are some highs um, that, that you've had in your experience in Lithuania so far? Obviously, we've talked a little bit about some lows and feeling isolated and struggling to connect, um, language barriers and all that. But what are some things that are, that are positive, that are uh, inspirational things that have happened to you while you've been in Lithuania? Um... <clears throat> Aesthetically, this is one of the prettiest cities I've ever lived in. Mm -hmm. And every day, like right now it's covered in snow and snow still makes my Australian brain just freak out like a child. So good. And it's so good. And then because everything's old here, like the the history and the story of this place is Mm -hmm. so beautiful and deep and sad, but also victorious. Mm -hmm. And so just the the learning that I've done here about the world, about politics and about um, cultural movements and the fight for identity Mm -hmm. um, has been glorious and I couldn't have done it anywhere else. Uh, I've learned how to draw better here, which Mm -hmm. has been a big surprise. I've learned about how my brain works and how I have all these weird insecurities, but how I can overcome them. I just have to work on that a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, yeah, I've met some of the coolest people I've ever met 
even if it doesn't gel so well at first. Yeah. Um, I've seen more of Europe than I have from here because it's so close. Hmm. Um, Day trip to Poland or something. Yeah, I did that to vote. I had to go to Poland to vote. Yeah. And one of my friends, Micah, who did his DTS with YOM Newcastle, Mm -hmm. now lives in Berlin, and he was super bored and kind of isolated like me. So we're like, let's meet in Warsaw and I'll vote and we'll hang out. (laughs) So that sort of stuff has been amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've learned how to cook soups, which are just the best thing ever when you're living by yourself and you have to make a bulk load of stuff. In fact, we made sushi yesterday. I learned how to make sushi. In Lithuania. Awesome. Yeah, it was really weird when they suggested it. We hang out as YWAM team every Sunday or Monday, and they were like, let's have a sushi night. And I was like, what is that? I've never made that. <laughs> that was an interesting experience. Uh, I've, lear- I've learned a lot about my parents and how much I love them mm. because I'm so far away from them. Yeah. And, like, we Skype every week, so I've learned things linguistically about them that I've never heard before, hmm. but also, like, how they comfort from afar and how much they like me. Like, yeah. that has been incredibly good. Yeah. Um, and then I've learned a lot about what I actually want in life because I don't have everything that I want, and for good reason. But there's mm. a few things that I'm like, whoa, I really want that. Why haven't I got that yet? And yeah. just like thinking through how to get that. Um, and I've gotten into like craft coffee and some other things like that pretty solidly mm-hmm. that I've never, because I just like everything, I've never had like a, I like this specifically. Yeah. And so the last year has been... I really like these few things and I'm just going to go for those few things and not think about anything else. Mm-hmm. That's been lovely also. Hmm. Uh, a, uh, a comment on you Skyping your parents and learning things about them that you, you never knew. Um, I was apart from my now fiance for five months all up. Um, while she was in the States and I was still here at YWAM Newcastle and she's back now. And I proposed two days Yay! after she arrived because I couldn't wait any longer. Um, but something that we learned while dating long distance was that you can't be in the same place and I, I guess, enjoy the person, um, how you usually would, uh, whether you're just walking or sitting in silence or just having them in the room, doing something nice for them, you can't do any of that stuff. So you have to learn how to interact and show your love through the way you speak and through what you say. Um, It was quite helpful for us because we got to learn things about each other that we, we never knew before. And there are things that she says and the way she says things that make me even more giddy now than, than I would have been. Maybe it would have taken me 10 extra years in person before yeah. I would have picked up on this stuff. Um, and I, I think it was, uh, it was very beneficial for us um, in growing in our depth of relationship because it was a, a territory we'd never explored before was actually what words we use and the yeah. 
I guess, the regularity of communicating um, because you have nothing else to do. You have to communicate. Yeah. Otherwise, you fall out of relationship. So um, that's my two cents on on Skyping and other things like that. Even what we're doing right now, we haven't caught up prior to hitting record, really. So no. <laughs> this, is, this has just been picking up where we left off last time. Uh, yep. And so glorious. So I guess I could even draw the parallel there to a Skype interview versus an interview in person for pastor's middle kid. When, when I'm in person, you can see my hand gestures, my facial expressions, which are usually fairly animated. Um, yep. That can, uh, that can help guide conversation and draw things out of people that you can't over, over Skype like this. And yes. uh, so it, it's been a little bit different um, there's been a lot more questions and answers in this interview than there was when you were on last time. And we yeah. could banter back and forth because we can see where the other person's going with our own eyes um, exactly. and, and even feel the, feel the vibe a little more. Um, now, with that said, uh, let's bring this to a close. Let's land this plane. I got to get up and grab some dinner. My fiance saved it for me. Um, Yay! She is the best. So, Jeremy, thank you so much for joining Pastors Middle Kid again today. You're welcome. It was fun. It has been fun. Uh, and it's, I trust, been quite insightful to, to people who haven't been in your situation and, uh, yeah, to help them sympathize and hopefully empathize uh, with you. And uh, obviously, you know this in your head, but I want to remind you that you aren't alone and that you're not isolated. Um, and uh, I will be praying for you, and I trust other people will be praying for you as well when they when they give Thanks. a thought to Lithuania uh, and the movement of God that's going to come to that country. Very exciting and mm-hmm. is already starting too. So um, that's terrific. I can't wait to have you on Pastor's Middle Kid in the future, um, which, which I will because this has been a success. And um, I've got some good feedback from it. I'm saying that in faith, obviously. I haven't got anything yet because <laughs> we haven't finished recording. But um, your, your last episode that, that you were on to Pastor's Middle Kid, I think, was my most popular so far. So I'm trusting this would be, this would be <laughs> kind of similar. Um, fingers crossed on that one. Hopefully my numbers will pick up again. But uh, that's not on you. Don't worry. That's, uh, that, that's on me. I need to keep bringing you on. Um, all right uh, with that said thank you everybody for listening to Pastor's Middle Kid this week hope you have a great week and hopefully you'll tune in next time peace peace we love